Hi everyone, welcome to the MRP Tech Podcast. This is episode 186. My name is Matt and this is the weekly podcast discussing everyday tech for everyday people. Now in this week's episode, I'm just going to give you an update on things that have been happening with me over the last few weeks. I've told you before that my summer schedule is really crazy. I'm going to talk to you about some things that I've been doing in my free time that uh, are sort of tech related sort of not tech related. Um, my summer schedule is usually um, much different than than uh, the school year. So uh, about two weeks ago, I went into school and I wanted to get some work done to get my classroom ready. And we all know everything's sort of up in the air at this point in time. And I was uh, kind of walking through the classroom and I was a, a bit bummed out um, about how the, the year ended and uh, sort of got distracted. I went and decided to go for a walk and climb a, a nearby local mountain that is basically half a mile. It doesn't take very long to you drive up most of the way and hike up the rest and um, came back to school, tried to do a little bit more work and, and realized it was getting late. And uh, close by to the school, there's actually, if you remember me talking about uh, the fire towers uh, that are in my area, uh, there's, a, there's a fire tower nearby. And I wanted to go up and see if I could see the comet, um, Neowise. Now, if you haven't heard of the comet, it's the comet that was discovered back in March. Um, it's a long period comet. And was discovered uh, by a team using a WISE um, space telescope, and it's under the NEO-WISE program. So that's where the name comes from, NEO-WISE is the name of the comet. And um, it's been years and years and years since I actually saw a comet, um, and they actually mentioned uh, the Hale-Bopp comet back in 1997. I do remember how uh, clear you could see that comet in the sky. So what I did is I climbed... Um, a local nearby mountain had a fire tower on it. And now um, it was just before sunset, uh, had the most amazing uh, view of the sunset over the high peaks of the Adirondack Mountains, um, especially what we call the Great Range, which is the um, a mountain range of the highest of the, the high peaks leading up to the highest mountain in New York. And um, beautiful sunset. And what, what I actually had to do now, th this, you know, hiking at night is something I... I don't mind doing it's it's doesn't bother me this is really quick it was like it takes me six minutes to get to the top of this particular mountain very uh very easy to climb and it's, it's basically like walking a road most of the way up so um nothing uh too adventurous there but um so i'm i'm sitting in the fire tower and i'm looking northwest and um it was a surreal sight that i've never really experience before as it started getting dark i'm sitting up in a fire tower all by myself and i had my uh amateur i had my hd my handheld radio with me and i started trying to make some contacts from up there and um, i was hitting a repeater that was over 50 miles away being up so high and um, normally i couldn't do that uh, from the school which is down low in the valley so what I ended up doing is talking with some local friends and, and they were interested in seeing the comet. So I was using amateur radio to talk back and forth with good friends of mine and explain um, where to, where you should be looking. And I wasn't sure myself if I was going to be even able to see it. Um, 
but uh, I knew that if you looked in the general direction of the Big Dipper, you would you would find it. So it's getting dark, and um, just out of the corner of my left eye, I see something moving in the sky, and I realize it's the International Space Station flying over. So immediately, I actually tried to contact the International Space Station from my radio, and of course, I did not get an answer. I, I wish I had. I wish I should have just made up the story, and I should have just told you that I did, but I did not get a chance to contact them uh, as they were flying over. So right after the space station flew over, uh, there are now fireworks going off in the downtown area of the town um, down in the valley. And um, kind of amazing to see the space station fly over, then followed by fireworks. And then slowly it got dark and the stars came out and it was a picture perfect clear night. And sure enough... um, basically halfway from the horizon to the easternmost star on the Big Dipper uh, was the comet Neowise. Um, Now, uh, I'm not a fancy photographer, so I was unable to get any pictures of it. And it was very faint when I did see it. But it was it was totally an amazing experience to go and do something different like that um, as a uh, stargazer, uh, having being up in a fire tower on top of a mountain as it's dark and um, and just having a picture perfect uh, sunset and then the stars coming out was just absolutely amazing Um, and it was uh, had a nice cool breeze so there was no bugs Um, I was worried how bad the bugs were going to be up there and uh, no bugs at all so it was perfect night it was just absolutely incredible and relaxing uh, and um, I was most concerned about climbing out of the fire tower uh, in pitch pitch black, basically. I did have a flashlight with me, um, and uh, obviously I didn't fall out of the fire tower, which was extremely likely to happen um, knowing um, my coordination skills. So um, I made it down uh, seven levels of stairs that are um, <laughs> very, uh, very flimsy stairs and a little uneven Um did not fall out of the fire tower. So that was that was uh, the most important thing about that trip. So I did go see Comet Neowise. Now I started reading that um, a lot of photographers are having issues with um, Neowise and seeing um, the SpaceX stars here, the SpaceX stars, the SpaceX satellites that, uh, that usually cross over the Starlink satellites having a rough time here because I had a picture that was all set up and um, the the picture now is an ad, so I'm a little upset about that. But um, basically, the Starlink satellites, as I've complained about before, many astronomers are, are trying to say that it's ruining their ability to photograph the night sky. Now, what happens is when you're taking photos of, say, the the night sky, oftentimes you'll do time-lapse photography. Um, I had a great image of it earlier where a photographer was trying to do, um, not time-lapse, long exposure uh, photography to really brighten up that comet. They will get the movement of the satellites in the way of of you know the image that they're trying to take. So you're getting streaks across the, the, uh, the photo. Now, this is going to be happening more and more with all of these satellites that are um, in the same line, so to speak. So, um, here's a good shot of, of the SpaceX um, Starlink 
satellites. Now, I, I say SpaceX because SpaceX is the company that's launching them, and Elon Musk owns Starlink. So we all agree that um, he's going to eventually own everything in the world. But but um, so it's it's quite the scene to to see all of the star link satellites in a row now this particular image i'm not really sure uh, if this is an artist rendition or not to me it looks like an artist rendition um, but the idea is light pollution is becoming a concern for photography um, it looks like this is a actual legitimate photo um, i'm going to look into a little bit more details but you can see the streaks from the satellites completely blocking the um, the shot of the comet so it's a it's a little bit disappointing to to see these things happening uh, when they've been warned about it over and over and over. Um, I don't know what else to say other than I wish there was a better way that we could we could do this, but I don't know. I'm I'm quick to judge, I guess, on on the whole Starlink situation, and I I don't want to say anything negative about it, but. I'm a stargazer, and I prefer the night skies to be something that we can enjoy, uh, whatever our hobby is, even if it's just looking up or if it's taking photography, uh, you know, long exposure shots, that type of thing. I'd hate to uh, ruin that. So um, so that's what I did a few weeks ago, and I, I've been busy at work, and I have been trying to um, get back on the microphone here and there, and I, I've been... I'm, if you haven't noticed with this show, I'm I'm very easy to get distracted, and um, I could be working on one thing, and I will all of a sudden uh, change directions and want to work on something else, and especially if I get like super passionate about something. And um, to me, my interest in technology spans not only modern technology. But um, my technology through any age, any period of ages, going as far back as as history goes, and it amazes me what people do to um, basically survive during the period that they lived, and what did what did they do? How did they do it? Um, what things did they overcome? And in my hometown. Um, this is the project that I've been working on for the last week. I've got myself involved in another, um, save the world campaign. And, and I don't know why I do this to myself, but basically here's the thing. I, um, for years I have been interested in this topic and, um, I would talk to various people in town and they would all be in support of it and not really sure, uh, how they could sort of remedy the situation. They always would say somebody should get involved and, and make the changes that are necessary for this. But here's the deal. Okay, so going back to 2005 and 2008, um, my hometown has a series of nationally historic bridges. Um, now, we live uh, in my town. There is a major river that cuts right through the middle of town. And um, the, the village that we live in is on both sides, but one is, is, um, a, a certain township. The other is a certain township and, um, they're each in different counties. So there's a lot of different politics that are involved in my area. Now you have two townships and two counties and anytime something needs to be worked out between them, um, hardly anything can get done. 
So my town has three nationally historic bridges. Uh, and I and I could say four, but I, I'm not sure about the fourth one. Three nationally historic bridges. Each of them is one of a kind bridge that um, are unique to not only my town but my the state of New York and in some cases the country on on how they are built and when they were built. Now these bridges were built back in the 1800s. Now looking back at that time, there was no money. They um they uh, were built. They served its purpose, and they were maintained for over a hundred years, up until two thousand eight. Um, there, they have survived major floodings. They've been renovated, um, and we had about twenty years ago or more. There was a local group that put them on the National Historic Registry because of their importance, and they were expected to be maintained because of that. Now, due to county politics. Um, with those two townships and those two counties, um, there's a lot of been arguing that's been going on. So basically for the last 12 years, these bridges have been sitting closed down and unused and just falling into disrepair. So to give you an example, I'm I'm just showing this on the YouTube video. Uh, One of the bridges is called a double span truss bridge. Now this, the, there's truss bridges everywhere. Um, but this particular bridge is the longest spanning double and oldest double spanning truss bridge um, in the state of New York. And this bridge um, serves a purpose uh, as a vital transportation route through our town. And it's been closed for since 2008. And the only reason it has not been fixed is because of county politics. The, uh, grants have been approved. There was grant funding to fix them. They needed a little bit more money and the counties couldn't figure it out. Um, so one of my favorite, uh, childhood memories is going across these, these bridges as a kid riding a bike or, uh, in a family car or that type of thing. And, um, there's more to it. There's a historical aspect. There's a tourism aspect. There is an economy aspect. There is a safety aspect, uh, as far as transportation in the village. And, um, I'll show you an example of another bridge. Um, we have a walking bridge, a pedestrian bridge in our town. Uh, we always called it the swinging bridge. Uh, it's it's uh, a cable uh, suspension bridge. And it was built in 1888. And the uh, thing about this bridge is that um, event- originally it was a, a wooden bridge. And soldiers used to march across it in step. And uh, it was a swinging bridge at the time in the, in the I believe it was the 1850s or 1860s. And they would march across it and step and the bridge would start to vibrate. And at one point the bridge actually collapsed and they actually uh, eventually um, replaced it with the steel bridge in the 1880s. Now this bridge is uh, unfortunately, again, due to politics, has been relatively unmaintained. It hasn't been painted in about 30 years. Um, trees are, Tree limbs are growing through the cables and the bridges. And this one happens to be open, but uh, it's it's um, could fall into disrepair. And um, moving back into the hometown, um, you know, we have a major tourist attraction that I work at in the summertime. There is a, a bridge that's right over one of our largest waterfalls. And, um, the, the bridges itself, uh, 
even though they're in old old shape, they are repairable, and it's not um, something that uh, is a tremendous cost. It's, the the first bridge I showed you is the most expensive, but um, these bridges serve vital transportation routes. Um, they're uh, big for tourism. And so uh, I'm out every day. I walk my dog three times a day. And um, I like going across the bridges. This, the village is such a nice village uh, right along the river. It's just great for walking. It's great for fresh air. And I walk around town and I see closed bridge signs everywhere. And they, these are the heritage of my hometown. Now, the, some of these bridges are like incredible technology from the time of the 1800s. Um, the, the Pratt Doubles Trust, uh, Double Span Trust Bridge is um, very unique when it comes to uh, a specific, specific set of time in the 1800s. And we have people that come from all over the country to, to visit and see these bridges only to find that they've been closed down. And... It's only because of politics. They could have been repaired. And to give you an example, in our town, we have several bridges. And um, two of them were closed down right after Hurricane Irene. And the whole side, one side of the town was completely unaccessible. And um, this particular bridge that um, is the double span trust bridge was already closed, but it received minimal damage from, from Hurricane Irene. And they couldn't get an ambulance from one side of town to the other. So they had to station an ambulance at the top of one of our hills. And, and uh, it was a giant mess because our bridges were closed. And um, so there's all sorts of safety aspects of this. So I've been walking around for years asking people, you know, have they heard anything on the bridges when they're going to open? And, you know, everybody heard the rumors, heard the politics that were involved between the two counties. And really, um, somebody said somebody should do something about it. So recently I have taken that up and I, in about a week, I started a change.org petition where well over 540, um, signatures at this point and a community of about 2000 people. So, um, yeah, so it's important to the community, as you can tell in just about a week, 540 signatures. Um, and I'm going to present it to the town boards and the county boards and try to put politics aside and see if we can do something for the community. So that has taken up a little bit of my time. And, um, but I think back to the 1800s and I think back that the communities came together at this point in the 1800s. Um, they built these monstrous bridges and they had no money back then. They had no funding back then. Um, these are national historic bridges. So there's grant funding that is available. And you know, why can't we make movements like that, like in the 1800? Why can't a community get together and move mountains like that in the past? And politics sometimes get in the way of things. So this is my uh, current Save the World project that I've gotten myself involved with. And um, it's, it's uh, something that I'm okay failing with, you know, uh, because nobody else has tried uh, as far as community. I, I should rephrase that because I don't. People have tried in the past um, at the, the town and county levels and they couldn't come to any agreements. And again, it was because of politics. But as far as I know, community members that, that are not town councilmen or that, that type of setting, 
haven't really fought for the bridges. And currently I heard we a rumor started going around that this particular um, double truss uh, bridge it was scheduled to be removed. And that sort of um, brought me to action, so to speak. And we're trying to do what we can to save the bridge. Even if we can turn it into a pedestrian bridge only and sort of restore it just for use of, of pedestrians, that would be great. So the, I get hyper-focused. That's what I was telling you earlier. And, um, that's what's been taking up a lot of my time up in the next few weeks. I have some meetings that I'm going to be attending to try to save some sort of history. And if you've learned anything from this podcast, um, I've talked, I've talked in depth on, uh, historical things in, in, in some ways that, uh, history is important. We can't forget about history. Um, especially these marvels from the 1800s. If we take them away, we're never going to get them back. And if something were to happen, I see, you know, unfortunate things happen and, and you do have to remove them. But if you, if it's just politics getting in the way, you know, it's time to, uh, put that stuff aside and, and do something that's right for the community. So that's what I've been working on. Um, bridges are kind of cool. Um, a few years ago, we had a, um, an issue farther south um, from where I am. And what happened is there was another historical bridge that crossed from New York to Vermont. And they actually had to uh, demo the bridge. And in record time, because it was uh, states of New York and Vermont, and they they could move much faster, they actually built a new bridge um, in in I would say a little over a year and a half uh, that spanned a giant lake and um, huge effort um, where you're having you know four thousand or more people a day cross this particular bridge. Um, and so they had to set up alternate routes of traffic around the lake at first, um, you know, spanning a hundred miles. Um, then they set up a temporary ferry system that went back and forth across the lake. And um, you can really move mountains when you need to, especially when it comes to two major states. Uh, at the county level, it's much different, much harder. Um, so uh, this is a picture of the Lake Champlain Bridge um, in Crown Point, New York. Just a beautiful piece of engineering. Um, the old bridge was impressive as well. And um, I'm trying to see if I can come up with a, a picture of the old bridge. Um, it was demoed in 2009, I believe. And then um, in 2010 or 2011, the, um, the new bridge was open. They worked 24 hours a day for... Um, nonstop basically. And the old bridge um, was a part of the local history, local township. Uh, we knew the guy that was there on opening day and was also there on opening day of the new bridge. So, you know, he was like seven years old on an opening day in 1928. And then the new bridge, he was in his nineties. Um, I mean, that's, that's heritage. That's it's really cool and interesting and things. So um, we're losing that. And you know, these marvels from back in the late 1800s are important. And I'm sure everybody's got their uh, hometown history and hometown heritage. And I encourage you to take a look at some of that, that in your hometown and try to find um, these old relics that are still around and, and try to try to keep them as long as you can, because once they're gone, they're gone. So um, I'll keep you posted on how that works. I'm, I'm, 
sure I can make progress on some of them. Um, there's a couple of bridges that are probably too far gone at this point, but uh, we're going to fight for them anyway and uh, hopefully put the politics aside. So that's what I've been up to. And, um, you know, that's where my focus is right now. And um, I'll stay tuned and I'll definitely be recording another podcast soon and, and um, get back into some technology stuff, more modern tech stuff. So thanks everybody for listening. Hope you have a good night and uh, we'll see you next time.